0: Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we sit down and talk with marketing thought leaders and experts on the issues and topics of interest to marketers and business leaders everywhere. Today I'm sitting down with the founders of a new agency, interestingly called Coffee, Cocoa, and Gum Powder, and the managing director is Jakita King. Welcome, jakita
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: And Aunt Melda, the creative partner. Hello, Darren. Welcome, Aunt. So, uh, a new—it is a new agency. When—when when did you really officially start? It wasn't that long ago, was it?
1: 29th of April. So we're uh, we're just about to sort of hit into our fifth month.
0: Wow, so like babes. You. Yep, yep. <laughs> but you're not, are you? I mean, both of you've right. got extended experience in the advertising industry. Yeah. Um, and give us a, a bit of a background of your experience. Well, I Me,
2: mean, okay. I mean, yeah, as you say, Darren, both of us have got a couple of decades of experience in, in the industry, um, both in big agencies and some more boutique agencies, myself across uh, London and Sydney. Um, so in London, I was at Sachi and Saatchi for, for many years. I was also at a place called Iris in London. And then when I came over here about six years ago, um, I was at m and Saatchi for a few years, which is where I met CK Chiquita. Um And we were both running the, sort of jointly running the Optus account over there. And we went over to DDB for a bit to work on some things at DDB. Um, and then, yeah, circumstances changed and we sort of, uh,
0: the timing was right and we came together. So, CK, w- what about you? Give us a potted history of your experience.
1: Um, well, most notably, um, I spent eight years at an agency called the Jupiter Drawing Room in Johannesburg, South Africa. Probably still one of the best agencies I've ever worked at. Um,
0: was that your sort of first job yeah, in advertising?
1: Yeah, it, it was the first proper job in advertising, let's put it that way. I um, I had sort of like... Um, worked sort of in agencies prior, but it was more sort of as the, oh, could you go collect the brochures across town and could you answer the phones and, you know, which was all, which is all fine. But I really fell in love with advertising at Jupiter. Um, And I was there for eight years, had three babies there. Um, You know, was kind of promoted from account manager through to sort of, you know, um, a business unit director running one of the biggest pieces of business in the agency. I loved it. Absolutely loved it and learned so much so that was kind of um, that and then um immigrated to Australia. I worked at Lavender.
0: Yep. I learned a hell of a with lot I spent Will.
1: with Will. Um, uh, I love Will, I've got um, a lot of a lot of respect for that man um, and a lot of gratitude actually because um, they sort of sponsored they sort of sponsored the move. Um, and I spent four years there, learned so much. And it was it was quite a strategic move as well for me because I had I didn't know the world of digital CRM data how that sort of whole world unfolds. So it was a it was a very sort of pointed um, pointed move. Um, loved that. Um, worked a little bit at Leo's.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and then at MNC, like Anne says, where we met. Um, I loved that. Loved working on Optus, actually. It was the first time I'd ever sort of worked in a telco. It was amazing. I love working on categories I've never worked on before. Um, and then uh, from there to DDB.
0: So when, um, when the announcement came out that you guys were going to be setting up your agency, uh, I have to say I was really impressed with the number of comments in the trade media, particularly mm. around your leadership skills. Mm. So I wouldn't mind from your perspective, and you're probably going to be way too humble, but <laughs> what, 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 is, what do you think drives that? What is it that about your leadership style that has garnered so much adoration from the people that have worked with you.
1: Oh, yeah! It's a <laughs> it's an interesting question. I think um, I, I have a love for people. Like um, this is a this is a people business. This is a very emotional business, and I think if you get that and you you sort of get that, you are really responsible. I think in any sort of leadership uh, position for kind of setting the tone of how things are done. Every day is going to be really, really challenging. Um, There are are complex problems that we're dealing with and um, you are not going to solve that on your own. So you need a team of really talented, incredible people around you and to extract the best from them, um, you've got to sort of develop a a, a culture and an environment in which they want to work. Mm -hmm. You've got to sort of set the tone in such a way that they want to run through walls for you. Um, and I don't think that has to be sort of fabricated um, it's just a little bit of care
0: well it has to be real doesn't it, it I it, mean
1: yeah it, it, it does have to be um, authentic otherwise I think people see quite through it
0: thank you that's the word authentic <laughs> yeah. I'd almost forgotten because it gets overused yeah. so often you know oh that's authentic and yeah. is that what attracted you to oh. uh, going into business because you know choosing a business partner is quite a uh, mm-hmm. quite a risky. Uh, Process, but uh, clearly I, uh, yeah. you made this decision.
2: I, I, I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't wasn't with CK. I mean, going back to your question before, Darren, about the the various comments in the media, um, I think they just spoke to something I knew, which was just CK's sort of unrivalled integrity and uh, right, right throughout, sort of every decision across a campaign, a project, um, life itself. She's just got this integrity and. Um, She and I guess we have brought it to the agency that we've launched. And um, you talked about uh, why people sort of hold that in such high regard. I think um, I've realised that the bar is actually quite low. Like If you literally just do what you say you're going to do, that's all you need to do. Do what you say you're going to do. And already
0: you're you're ahead of a lot of people. Uh, Thank you. You've just given me what I believe is the perfect definition of integrity. It's amazing how people get it so wrong. But for me, integrity is just doing what you say you're going to do. You know, being who you say you'll be mm. is integrity. And yet people come up with all sorts of weird definitions. It's bizarre, isn't it? For an industry that relies so heavily on language, um we, we often almost bastardise the terms, you know, like integrity, like authenticity, you know. These are... These are fundamental words about the human condition and yet you know i think marketing and advertising we like to take them and make them mean new things <laughs> mm. yeah well, i think we also
2: like to sort of just there's a lot of talking and a lot of meetings that goes on and a lot of fluff and we like to sort of say stuff that makes us sound big and special and all the rest of it because that other the other quote or ethos that we really like is that bill burnback thing about a principle is not a principle until it costs you money yeah. i think it's just so easy to talk about stuff and just Harder to deliver on it, and I think you know when things, when the financial perspective, is put in front of you. You know you've talked about that, but are you going to do it, even if it's going to cost you? I think it's a great test.
0: It's interesting you bring that up because I think it is the ultimate test. Mm, the ultimate, you know, in that we we are working in a commercial environment where profit is the measure of success. But at what point are we willing to put profit ahead of our fundamental values as a human being? Mm-hmm. So, CK, to you, mm-hmm. um, you talk about building an environment, a culture within an organisation where people want to work. Mm-hmm. But obviously, striking the balance of being profitable so that mm-hmm. you can continue to mm-hmm. provide that environment and creating that environment. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as a, a challenge or is it just part and parcel of running a business?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's just part and parcel of running um, a good business. Um, I think it, it just really boils down to how it's quite simple and I think it's just about how you, how you treat people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that hard to be considerate. Um, when you have the opportunity during the day to be kind... Be kind. It it really, it's it doesn't actually cost a lot to do the little things, that makes the biggest difference. Mm. Um, and I think um, you know one of our agency values is um, <clears throat> just choosing to be present. So when you when you're having a conversation with somebody, or if you ask somebody how they are, they will they will give you clues <laughs> as mm. to as to you know as to where they where they are at and I think if you pay attention to those little things you can actually um you can kind of you can build around it you can you know you can kind of pay attention to those clues that they're giving you and um and just and just nod to it sort of pave a way for a a relationship where they feel like they matter I think that's one of the biggest things I actually learned at Jupiter I was talking about that agency that I spent eight years at and um the boss that I worked for for six of the eight years that I was there She was, she was really tough on me. Like, you know, she she wasn't, um, she didn't make things easy. She raised the bar again and exactly right, again and again, but she made me aware of my own potential. And as a result, I just wanted to do more and do more and do more. And I think um, there was something about how she made me feel. And that was that I mattered, that I could contribute, that I had something to offer. And, um, and that's just how we want the people in our agency to feel and how I've always kind of wanted people in the teams that I've led and that I've managed to feel. Because when, when people matter and they feel like they have a place and they've got something to contribute and they've got something to share, there's such a value exchange there. And it's not hard. It doesn't cost money.
0: So here's a question for both of you, and that is... Why an agency? Because, you know, I've got uh, over 3,000 agencies on an agency <laughs> register in Australia of all different types. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what What was the decision-making process that the two of you were having in conversation and you went, I've got an idea, let's start an agency. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. I think it was, um, it It wasn't that, it wasn't like suddenly sort of a eureka moment, to be honest. It was a, a conversation and a, and a feeling that grew over a year two years three years till till the timing was right so it wasn't suddenly we woke up one day and said we must do it um and that feeling that grew over the over the couple of of years um was that the more you learn and the more you grow and the more experience you get and the more the bigger things you handle the more you start to think because we both love this industry we're so passionate about Mm. the industry and the work but the more you start to think I could do it a different way. And there are 3,000, you know, there are 3,000 or whatever they are, other agencies, but you start to think, oh, shit, we've got a different, a different, newer, better way. And, you know, maybe it's ego, or I don't know, but you start to think, oh, I think we could do it better. With our combination of skills, personalities, and sort of being on a wavelength that's different to other agencies we'd worked at, we did, we did start to think we, we could have something unique and special.
1: Mm. And I think it's... Um We've worked for some incredible people in some incredible agencies. Um, but I think kind of through that experience, um, there's kind of like a, a much bigger sort of personal conviction and belief um, that I think we just wanted really to be the premise of every day. Um, and and that was somewhat different to um, the philosophies or the beliefs of, of agencies that we were working in. It's not to say that it's... That um, it's better, but it's different, and it's ours, and it's something that we believe in, and that just yeah, that kind of got to a point where we were like that conviction was just sort of like overwhelming, and we thought, okay, you know, we don't just want to have another agency, we want to have an agency that has got a point of view on the world, and um, and I think that's kind of really what led to our proposition.
0: And one of the things I like, and and coming out mm-hmm. of this conversation, is I now understand the source of your fundamental proposition, which is people are everything, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. the experience that you're both sharing is one where people have had the biggest impact on you, Mm -hmm. positive and negative, Mm -hmm. and that that you're actually putting that at the centre of the business. Mm -hmm. What's that actually mean? Well, starting with you, CK, what does that mean for you? What, What would this business look like I said business, not agency. But what would this business look like, say, in two years' time or five years' time? What would be the essential thing that would make you go with being successful?
1: Mm. I think first and foremost, it would be centered around the people in the agency, the people actually work for Coffee Coca, Gunpowder, the, the team. Um, and I think that when you walk into the agency in two years from ta- uh, two years from now. Um, it will be tangible. You will walk into the agency. There will be a certain energy. It'll be um, what you feel, what you hear. There will be laughter. Um, there will be sort of that crazy, sort of panic, sort of um, you know energy and sort of vibe that you get sometimes. But you will you will walk in there and you will know that this business is centered around people because the people in it, through their smile, the sunshine sort of pouring out of their eyes. Yes, a little bit sort of you know, that panic and stress because that's ever-present in this business. But there will be kind of a spirit and a, yeah, I think a real sort of tangible notion of this is a team that's putting in the same direction. That for me will be, I'll be like, oh, my God. So
0: you'll succeeding. have a measure every day that you walk into the office of is it is this mm. what I wanted to create? What about you, Anne?
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, that, that resonates with me. I, I'm really excited about... Um, this sounds a bit Tony Robbins, but just helping people fulfil their potential. I love, like, one of the reasons I love this business is because you're surrounded by smart, clever, interesting people. And some, are, some of those people are younger and some are older. And I just love the idea of helping people reach their potential. And I think when people are on their way to doing that, that does create a buzz, that does create an energy. CK talked about going back to formative experiences, the, uh, the Jupiter drawing rooms. I, I kind of had a similar thing right at the start of my career. I worked for some guys called... Um, George Betzis and Simon Reynolds oh, at yeah. an agency, a small agency in Sydney. And um, there were a couple of things. One was that they would regularly turn down pitches or resign accounts if, they, if values weren't aligned creatively or ethically or whatever that may be. That really gave me a strong sense of, wow, you would do that because your, your ethos, your ethics is so so much more important. And the other thing is, to see Kay's point, they just created this vibe that was quite um, it's quite a family vibe. So I don't know if you know George, but he's a uh, he's like a, a a rough and ready working class Greek guy, and his mum would just come in every Wednesday with this massive pot of Greek stuff, Greek food that she cooked, and everyone would sit around this, board, this boardroom table have <laughs> this masaka, and it'd just be I just remember those days, some of the happiest days of my life because just everyone was doing work that they were interested in, and were sort of doing better and better and better work that they believed in, and it kind of created a buzz around the place. I think you know, I'd like to recreate that kind of vibe.
0: It is interesting because the industry uh, is going through some real challenges at the moment. You know, we've got, uh, especially overseas in the US, we're hearing of major brands building in-house agencies and uh, the rise of the consultancies that are moving into the the space, largely through digital and technology rather than creativity. But, you know, they're, they're certainly buying up creative agencies, you know, cherry picking them. What would you say is the sort of fundamental thing? Because I, I, I've got a perspective, but I want to hear it from you. What do you think it is about advertising agencies that makes them unique? I mean, makes it really hard to replicate in any other circumstance. Mm.
2: And I think, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think sort of going back to that kind of creating a culture. I think a culture of an agency can be a special source because mm. you can have. Um, the same people, or people with the same kinds of skills, or similar skills, in one environment, they just cannot deliver what the same sorts of people, or the same people, even can deliver in another, in another sort of environment. Um, and I think that's kind of a mixture of the influences coming together, sort of all being on the sort of on the ship and trying to kind of go in the same direction. And oh god, so hard. I think to. Um, I should say that my wife works for Deloitte, and I kind of walk into Deloitte a lot, um, and they are really smart, intelligent, bright people. Clearly, but the environment is as far from an agency as you could ever, you know, ever imagine. Mm. And I, I just can't imagine the kind of um, creativity coming out of that kind of environment as I can from you know a good agency. Well, it's a into. different
0: culture because. Mm largely it comes from a very different place to an agency in that they're much more analytical mm. and uh, and more, you know, not process-driven, but they do have processes. Mm. So, you know, it would be understandable. In fact, if they had the same sort of environment as an agency, <laughs> it's, you'd wonder whether yeah, they were, going uh, on. Uh, yeah. you know, actually a uh, consulting yeah. firm. CK, so, yeah. what about from your perspective?
1: I think they're different freedoms. Um, yes it most certainly sort of like is born out of that sort of cultural cultural thing but I think um, the type of talent and the collection of sort of people that you pull together in an agency there is a almost like a different set of rules and a different set of expectations and there's a freedom that's kind of that that sort of facilitates to um, to explore sort of answering problems um, and finding solutions to problems in, in really sort of different ways um, I'm often sort of interested. It's, it's one of the best, best parts of the job for sure is sitting in a creative review and sort of inviting teams in to kind of unpack work. And um, they'll start with, oh, I was reading this, oh, I saw that. And I was like, wow. You know, the sources of, of inspiration and the, you know, there is just there was no limit to where an idea can start and, you know, from where it was inspired or. So I think, yeah, there's kind of different rules and different expectations in an agency. You are expected to go places that other businesses just don't even think to consider, mm. which is amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. And that requires it to have a culture that isn't like other businesses, right. doesn't it? Because if it's the same as your accounting firm, your right. lawyer no, and, and the office... That, yeah, um, because I don't, th- you know, I don't think it's possible to replicate the culture of a great agency inside a much larger organisation because it does require creativity itself requires to be on that border between complexity and chaos mm-hmm. you know that the whole creative process mm-hmm. actually borders on chaos because it's about finding patterns or, or ways of doing things that no one's ever seen before. Totally, uh,
1: T- chaos is a great word for it. I,
0: I remember walking <laughs> into uh,
2: Wyden w- and Kennedy's office in um, in Brick Lane in London, in the East End, and at the time, you know, probably still one of the great agencies. You know, the work's amazing. But you'd walk into the creative department and go, "Oh my God, how does anyone get anything done in this place? There's elastic bands flying around and heavy metal music's up full pelt, and someone's riding around on a like." How's anything going to get done here? But somehow, out of that chaos comes this amazing work.
0: Mm. It is it is unique, isn't it? Because when you've worked in great agencies, mm. um, you do get that sense of it's it's something special. It's interesting because I think people want that. You know, marketers know they need that sort of almost chaotic. Uh, mm-hmm. Approach to problem solving, mm-hmm. but I think also from a business point of view, there's probably some uh, some questioning or some a little bit of mistrust because you know it isn't a process that goes A B C, and yet a lot of it is process. You know, from the point of view of uh, t- going through defining and and one of the things I like on your website is you know forensically understanding the problem. Mm-hmm. Because that is a process, isn't it? Mm.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like often the the brief, most certainly over um, you know over my career, the initial brief that you get is not. I think if you really indulge in a conversation and you are you are fretting about whatever your client's fretting about, whether it's keeping them up at night, is keeping you up at night, you will start to explore and sort of unpack that the, the layering of that problem. And often um, a really sort of good part of the of the conversation, I think, what does build trust and a really really great partnership is you you kind of go back and you go, I know that that's the problem that's stated on the brief, but I've got a whole lot of questions, um, or the team has got a whole lot of questions, and you sort of just indulge in a conversation, and often you kind of get to a much much better point um, where you go, okay the task is actually this and this is what we need to do and this is how we're going to you know this is how we're going to get there so um yeah, it's. I, I think indulging in conversation is I, I don't think any sort of really good brief is a is a, is a linear sort of right we're going to start here and we get to 10 and it's all kind of yeah. it's really messy and you've got to sort of deconstruct it but i think if you've got the passion and sort of you know um and you're working with a you know with a bunch of smart people you can, you can get there and in a, you know, amazing, amazing outcomes.
2: Because I think you can tell the work that is quite surface level. You can see work that's out and you say, That's quite good because it's like this plus this equals this and it's mm. kind of all right, it's okay. But you can tell that they've not really gone deeper on the brief and really interrogated and really kind of understood the problem behind the problem behind the problem until you finally kind of go, oh, that's what it is. And that's oh. kind of what allows you to make yeah. that leap to the, the sorts of things that you see in the world. You kind of think, God, how do they get to that? How do they get to that solution? Because a lot of it you can, it's just very easy to see that you know, there was that and there was that. And so that's what we're going to do.
0: Or there's also that great creative work where you go and you go, wow, I can see where that's come from, but I would never How have gone take there, it yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's, uh, one of the things I find really interesting about the creative process is in hindsight, it's almost logical. It's really yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. in, post, in uh, <laughs> But at the time when you were sitting there going, oh, well, here's the problem, where do I leap off? You yeah. And that's why I say you know, say to uh, clients especially, you know, you've got to think of this whole process as it's a process mm-hmm. down to a point where someone has to make that creative leap or a number of creative mm-hmm. leaps. Then it goes into process again because it's then the implementation mm-hmm. of that idea. Mm-hmm. There's really just one point that is almost beyond definition, which is that moment of conceptualization, mm. right? Mm. Everything before it, the more work you mm. do up front, mm. the deeper you go, mm. the, the more you question the curiosity and the, mm. the courage to actually challenge the conventional yeah. helps set up that moment of yeah. creativity. And then mm. you go into a process. And I think trying to talk about the whole thing as being magical is a bit... Yeah, is where people get lost because, well, it's not really. It's a process and it's a process, <laughs> mm. but it needs that essential ingredient in the centre mm. to make the whole thing work. Mm.
2: I, I like it when um, I was watching a Mark Ritson uh, sort of video piece the other day and he was breaking down the um, It's a Tide ad uh, campaign, mm. which is... Just such oh, an amazing. Every pa- a tie, such <laughs> an amazing yeah, such an amazing campaign. But when he when he kind of just breaks down what the brief was and how you know it's about clean clothes and how they got there, and then you get to that point and then you blow it up and then you execute it, you kinda of, like you said, Darren, you kind of go, oh, that's really straightforward. That's really that's really obvious. But God, like the creative sort of wisdom
0: to to get to that point is just
2: how can you replicate that?
0: Mm. And and that's I think also a measure of you know, terrific creative. Mm. Because if it does look, you know, almost like, oh, well, okay. But the fact that no one else had done it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets so much attention and people talk about it and they reflect on it and mm-hmm. it it becomes part of popular culture, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, people are now talking... You say Tide Ad and most people, yeah. if they've watched the Super Bowl, go, oh, yeah, I know the one you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you mentioned the name uh, before C.K. So, you know... Uh, Co- uh, coffee, cocoa, and gunpowder. Right. So, where did it come well, from? Why? why how? <clears throat> you know. First of all, it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> it doesn't have your names in it. You know, there, there's no uh, King and Melder. Yeah, yeah. So, or was it because there wasn't a third I'll ju- person? I'll jump in. No, 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 uh, no. I'll jump no, in. It was, it was yeah. never
2: going to be King and Melder. Yeah, I think that was one of the reasons why it was. Coffee, cocoa, gunpowder, because one of the things was we didn't want it to be King and Melder or Melder and King. We didn't We didn't want to do the names thing and sound like solicitors. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it's a mouthful, And it, but it's different. And uh, I don't think there's been one meeting with clients or potential clients that we've walked into where um, someone in that room hasn't started by saying, oh, this name, why? What's the point? Why this? You know, so it's been a brilliant, brilliant conversation starter. Um, and we've got some reasons why we called it that. Um, that we can talk through, but one of the things is... Yes, please. Everyone (laughs) seems to have their own own view. Oh, I thought it was this. And then we're like, yeah, okay, it can be that as well. It's very sort of different interpretations. I mean, the bottom line is all of those three elements, the coffee, the cocoa and the gunpowder, are um, things that inspire emotion in people and different kinds of emotion. So that was really important to us. So the coffee that kind of gives you the jolt and wakes you up the cocoa that's a bit more arm around the shoulder and a bit more reassuring, and then the gunpowder that kind of blows shit up. You know, you see that as the work, yeah. just kind of...
0: So, so I've obviously been watching too much Sesame Street because I <laughs> thought it was one of these things doesn't belong here, one of these <laughs> things isn't the same, because I can drink two of them, but if I drank the third one, I'd be in serious you trouble.
2: Have a gunpowder tea. There is a, there is a gunpowder tea. <laughs>
0: So uh, was this uh, something that, uh, from a creative process, was it sort of self-evident when you came up with the name, or was it something that you C-K's, had to? was uh...
2: CK's idea of
0: the name, by the way. So. Oh, okay. I yeah, thought yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, uh, no, no,
2: it wasn't you know, a crazy. It's so it creative. It wasn't a crazy it creative. creative no, no, department. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't. that at all.
1: It just. Um, <laughs> it literally. We were sort of. What do we call it? What do we call it? And it was just. It was. How about, coffee, cocoa, gunpowder. And that just stuck. Everything else in the world just kind of slipped off. And I was like, I love the sound of it, um, and loved it, and um, and it's kind of stuck. And and there was, it was just so easy and effortless to put some meaning behind it too. Um, and it's something you know, as Ant was saying earlier, everybody just kind of embraces and goes, "Well, I think it means." That. And I was like, "Well, you you know, as long as you embrace it, it can mean whatever you want it to, as long as it kind of works for you." But it's um, it has. It's been an amazing conversation starter and. Um, and it is a mouthful, and that's okay.
0: So no one's tried to shorten it to CCG, which... Uh...
1: Once or twice, and we've gone, how about Cocoa Gun, if you prefer? <laughs>
0: it sounds a bit corporate, CCG.
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it yeah. sounds yeah. like an insurance company
0: yeah, for yeah, some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but Cocoa Gun is kind of like we've, we've got everyone in the sort of, uh, on, on the Cocoa Gun trail, which we love as well. Sorry. Well,
0: one of my favourite chocolates is cocoa black. So, <laughs> well, there
1: you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cocoa black's great. Because
2: yeah. we certainly walk into some building and say to the receptionist, uh, Ant and C K from <laughs> Coffee Cocoa Gum," uh, and see the receptionist go, yeah. "What? Hey, what? I've got yeah, yeah. where, where?
1: It's quite funny, actually. On, on almost every occasion, um, the the receptionist will then give you know the respective client to call and go, "Your meeting's arrived." As opposed to, <laughs> 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 I'm not playing that back for, for love of money, but yeah, it is. It's fun. We're
0: having a lot of fun. So um, the, the I mentioned the value before of uh, people are everything. Mm-hmm. How does that, you know, and, and CK, you mentioned about, you know, developing a culture and where people mm-hmm. are, you know, having fun and it's bringing the best of the people out. And, and, mm-hmm. and you mentioned the same about, you mm-hmm. know, allowing people to fulfil their, mm-hmm. their ultimate um, mm-hmm. uh, potential what does it mean for you as an organisation? Does it, it, it must have implications on the way you recruit people, the way you uh, handle staff, you know, what What are the implications? Because if you put that at the centre of your, or as the foundation of your values, what are the types of things that you've had to consider in developing the business going forward?
1: Hmm. I think. Well, I mean, if we think about sort of the 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 people that we are looking to kind of um, be a part of the team and and kind of be with us over time and and kind of build this out to be something that is remarkable and special and and relevant. Um, I mean, I think about this. You know, the sorts of people that we've already hired. They've got. Um, we should talk about our head of social, Hayden. So, for example, he is. I mean, he he kind of understands the. Kind of the world of social, to a degree that, you know, he, he kind yeah. of talks a language, and I'm like yeah, a
0: deep specialty, to, yeah, to,
1: totally. But um, he um, he's got this whole other world and passion and love, which is um, comedy. In fact, we took um, some clients um, two weeks ago to dinner and a show where he was he did this whole sort of stand up improv, which was yeah. incredible. First show I've ever been to like, that. and it was remarkable. But I think, so it's kind of like we're looking for people that, yes, has, has a really sort of deep specialty and, and sort of skill, but almost like plus one,
0: mm. something
1: that adds a whole different dimension and kind of view on a world, which just brings something really special to the table.
0: Which is what it means to be a human being, doesn't it? Because you're not one-dimensional, you're Absolutely. multifaceted. But Ant, from a creative point of view, it must mean that, uh, or it must have implications when you're choosing the partners that you work with, you know, such as in production, the mm. choice of directors, because mm. there are de- film directors out there that, uh, <laughs> let's say, perhaps a little bit more self-centred yeah. or self-focused. Uh, does it have an implication or is it all about just the best person for the job? Or?
2: I think it does have an implication um, in choosing who we work with. So there's because TK talked about the team, but I think there's also our partners who we work with and our clients as well. I think has a big impact on both of those. Um, in all of the, the staff, the partners, the clients, we want to work with people that are on the same wavelength as us. Mm. Um, and I don't, I really don't think that means that we need to compromise on working with the best people. There's, you know, a bunch of people and um, production companies and so on that have come on board, sort of come to the party since we've set up that we've just developed really strong, ongoing links with that are best in class, best in the business. Um, and I just. You don't, I don't think you need to be kind of throwing your toys out the pram and being sort of super egotistical and all of those things, screaming, shouting and turning tables over to do amazing work. You know, we've just got some amazing, gracious um, wonderfully sort of humble and talented human beings on the team and sort of as, par- as partners. And
0: I love I love that. Hmm. That's great. I mean, and, and the interesting test for you and, and, and I say this because mm-hmm. I've had you know other companies, other agencies have started with a particular philosophy, not the same as yours. but mm-hmm. yeah and as they grow, they often have to compromise mm-hmm. those values. So the test will be mm-hmm. how you uh, enjoy the commercial success and growth
1: mm-hmm. and
0: maintain those values. You, do you see any obvious challenges or is this something that you're very comfortable with?
1: I think it's something that can really um, that can really stand the test of time. And I think the reason I say that is because it's actually a philosophy that Ant and I have built our careers on. So this is not something that we hope will work for the future. Our reputations kind of are built on this premise. Um, and, I, you know, if I think about the relationships, the incredible relationships that I've been fortunate to kind of build with various clients that I've had over the years, they know that I will stop at nothing to help get the team that is working on their business to deliver something that is really, 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 really meaningful. Um, and that's because, again, there's, there's kind of a spirit and a sense of collaboration where everybody is pulling in the same direction. And when you have teams focused on that, on, on that client, because there is a sense of trust um, and partnership. So it's not just we do what the client says. It's more that we challenge what the client says in a really sort of respectful um, sort of way that you can you can get to something that's that's far more rich and sort of diverse and um, and sort of drives results. So I think, I think a partnership is a big is a big big part of it, but that is yeah that's kind of based on the people sitting around the table and, and you know and the trust that you develop over time. So I think I believe that it's the right proposition for us and it, it has worked and I really believe will continue to work. And it's something that can, it's very, very simple, but we can hold um, each other accountable for that because we know what it is, we know what it looks like, we know what it feels like.
0: And I know it's early days, but, you know, one of the biggest challenges will be scaling, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's either scaling in the market you're in, Mm -hmm. you know, once once organisations get to sort of 100-plus people, it's very difficult to continue Mm -hmm. that, or also scaling when you want to move into other markets, you know enjoying that type of success could mean that you have to mm. uh, look at setting up in you know, other markets. Mm. Have you even had a chance to contemplate that or is that just you'll, you'll cross that bridge when you come to it?
1: I think, um, you know, I mean, and and mentioned this earlier, we, we are very, very ambitious, but I think we are sort of, um, th- there is a degree of, prag- you know, pragmatism, I think, um, to that lens. We we would rather sort of, I think, sort of manage our growth in a way where we um, we know what the future looks like, but we want to be sort of really careful about what we do because, you know, going back to the thing about us doing what we say, you know, we never ever, we don't want to drop a ball. You know, we want to really sort of be thorough in, in all of our delivery. So, um, yeah, excited. We're looking kind of forward to, you know, to the growth that will come, but we want to do so as pragmatically as possible.
2: Yeah because I think I think to that question Darren like if you build an agency on a on a a proposition of people are everything and a a really strong culture that we're trying to build you can't then suddenly take it in a different direction and sort of uh, do take on projects that are not relevant to that or have growth in in certain ways that are not relevant to that um, and still maintain that that DNA you know and we're sort of we're really cognizant of that we don't want to Break the culture to just to get the quicker growth. So mm. it really is thinking about what's the best way to grow. But having said that, God, we're so we are so ambitious. We you know, mm-hmm. we're not here to <laughs> kind of be like you know a little agency in Surrey Hills. We're here to, to really really make a mark and mm. an impact.
0: Well, I think you've uh, you've both tapped into what's it called the zeitgeist. You know, you've tapped into mm. a definite uh, trend that is happening not just in advertising but in society which is a realization that people are everything. Mm -hmm. That an actual fact that it's humanity that creates the value yeah, the value, not from just a financial point of view, but also from an emotional point of view mm. and a physical point of view. So, look, um, we've we've just absolutely run out of time. It's been great catching up with you, CK. Thanks for making well, time to come and so have a chat.
1: Thank you so much for having us. And, we've and
0: all, thank you. all the best to thanks, both Darren. of you with thank the future. You. I've just got one last question. You. And that is... Of all of the agencies in the world, is there one that you'd like to exceed their success by miles?